0: Good morning, everyone. Well, uh, here we are, launching into our new year. And uh, I just want to ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to, in driving on this island, to get lost? Some? That gal over there said yes, you know. so Yeah, some of you can acknowledge that, right? Well, every time I go to Mililani... I get lost, I think, you know? I don't know how they designed that. But anyway, uh, I'm grateful for GPS, you know? And by the way, just a little uh, tip. Uh, I was turned on to this free app called Waze, W-A-Z-E. And it not only guides you, but it tells you about oh, construction or traffic or police up ahead, in case you need some help or something, right? But uh, it's excellent, Waze, OK? Uh, and it keep you out of trouble. Well, I also, more importantly, want to tell you about a different GPS. That's God's positioning system, which uh, is found in Scripture because it gives us the direction to go and keeps us out of trouble as well. And uh, this is a new year, and I suspect some of us may need a new direction. We may not even know it, but I want to share some things with you this morning and ask you to consider Are you really going the direction that you want to go? Are you really following Jesus in this particular area of your life? Sometimes we think we are, and wow, all of a sudden we realize we're not. That happened to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at that passage, but before we do, let me just tell you what was happening. For the first several chapters of Matthew after Jesus is baptized in the Jordan, he begins his ministry. He's teaching as no one had ever taught. They're amazed at his teaching, but his miracles which validate his message they're just astounding people. But by the time the resistance is building in Jerusalem among the leaders, by the time you get to the 12th chapter of Matthew, it's really a crucial point. And it becomes apparent that the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, are rejecting the message and the messenger, their Messiah, Jesus. In fact, in Matthew chapter 12, they attribute his power, his works, to the devil. Jesus called that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. They had every reason to believe and to receive their Messiah, but they rejected him outright. And from that point... Jesus turns and goes a different direction. And instead of teaching the multitudes, now he's focused on training the 12 and moving toward the cross. And in Matthew chapter 16, he tells his disciples that he's going up to Jerusalem and the chief priests, the scribes and the elders are going to kill him. And then he will rise on the third day. But they didn't hear that last part. And so Peter pulls Jesus to the side and rebukes him and says, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Whoa, Peter, come on. Well, Jesus responded very harshly and said, get thee behind me, Satan, for you have not set your mind on God's interests, but on man's. Jesus was moving toward the cross. Peter saying, no way. Let's go a different direction. I mean, Peter was welcoming the king. He was looking forward to the kingdom. But he thought this path would lead to glory. And he thought it would lead to power and to prestige and a position in the kingdom. And Jesus is talking about a cross. In fact, he then turns to the rest of the disciples and he says this in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and will then repay every man according to his deeds. So Jesus is saying to Peter and to the disciples, look, I know you are looking forward to some power and some position, prestige, but the way that I'm going is going to lead to weakness and humiliation and sacrifice. Wow, that's a different direction than they had in mind. And I think it's often a different direction than we have in mind. And we don't even realize it. But we can be so shaped by our culture that we want to go along and get along and be comfortable. And we can go to church, but do we really follow Jesus in those areas? Probably not, if there's not some weakness, humiliation, and sacrifice. Now, there will be reward coming, Jesus said. Oh, there will be glory. But first the cross and then the glory. That was true in his life. That's true in the followers of Christ's life as well. Now, one of the things that we have attempted to do uh, just to help all of us become followers of Jesus, disciples of Christ, is to construct a path of Jesus. called it Keala Oiesu, which is reflected on this banner. It's a new banner. We just put that up to remind us to follow the path of Jesus. And some of you say, well, I know that's old stuff. No, no, no this is basic but you can go as deep in this as you want to and i thought as we enter this new year i want us to consider every element of this because each one is not exhaustive but it's a beginning and it's by the way it's constructed and you can see way at the top in a base ball path to show us we don't just stay on first base no got to move on and grow in our christian life in following jesus so i want you to consider this morning there's an outline in your bulletin each one of those areas as the holy spirit might speak to you about the direction that you're going in relation to following him so in 2016 can you say this i'll follow the path of jesus learning more of what it means to love god well we've expressed it very simply Just an introductory to following God and loving him this way. And let's say this together. We grow to love God through biblical teaching and engaging worship in weekend services. Worship and the word help us to love God. We learn about him through his word and we respond in worship. Now, weekend worship is a beginning, okay, and it's a culmination. For instance, it's a springboard into our week as we gather collectively to worship God and to hear his word and to think about it. But it moves us into our week so that morning by morning we can open our Bibles, we can begin praising God and and just learn from his word. I'm going to challenge you to just make it a priority to love God through your worship this year. Start every day with him. Give him the first 15 minutes of the day. As we do that, then when we come into weekend worship, it's an overflow. Because uh, we're seeing that worship is certainly not limited to singing. That's part of it. But everything we do is an act of worship. And it, it can be a culmination as we come together in our weekend services and a springboard into worship the following week. You know one of the things that worship does It lifts us from our own circumstances, puts things in perspective and helps us to see the one who can do something about it and whom we can trust. It delivers us from ourselves because our natural default is to self-centeredness. Okay? Uh, There was a guest speaker here recently um, that, uh, in fact, even made a comment about your pastor. I won't mention his name, but I'll tell you his initials. (laughs) They're Jay Jarman, (laughs) formerly my best friend. And um, he said that I had said the day before last Sunday that, uh, that I'd been following Jesus for 45 years, and I'm as selfish now as I was back then. And I thought, well, I need to think about that. I mean, I did tell him that. He, he was right in saying that. But, you know, as I've reflected on that, I, thought I, need, I need to clarify that a little bit here. What I really meant was I have the capacity to be as selfish now as I was 45 years ago when I committed my life to Christ, which is true. Um, am I as selfish? I don't think so. And I share this with you not just to defend myself, but to encourage some of you folks. Some of you are maybe fairly new believers, and you're thinking, oh, man. Man, is this going to be worth it? I mean, am I going to make any progress through the years if I seek to follow Jesus? And I want to say, absolutely. In fact, I I haven't asked Dee this, but I mean, in front of everybody and God and everybody here, (laughs) am I as selfish now as I was then? I mean, oh. (laughs) You mean I have the capacity But I remember when we were first married, oh, I was totally wrapped up in myself. And even before we got married, and and if her parents were alive, they would attest to that, I'm sure. There's been progress. Uh, But I have the same capacity on any given day to revert, right, to self-centeredness. And sometimes I do. And I need to worship just on a regular basis. I need to be in the Word just to renew myself, to keep the focus on Christ and I would suggest maybe that's true for you. And if you're not, you know, just growing in worship, responding to, to, to the Lord and learning to love him through the word and worship, go in a different direction this year. Make that a part of who you are, growing to love God this year. Secondly, can you say this, uh, that in 2016, I will follow the path of Jesus, learning more of what it means to connect with one another. There it is, right there. Let's say that one together. We connect with one another through Bible study and caring in Ohana groups. Those are small groups that we have here, and uh, they are powerful. You'll hear a video clip right at the end of the service in which people are going to express some of the reasons why they value the Ohana groups. Scripture in New Testament talks about the community that that early church lived in, I mean, they were connected with one another. And if they hadn't been, we would never have heard the gospel because they were so committed to one another and connected that the outsiders said, behold how those people love one another. Well, you don't love one another that deeply by just attending a weekend worship service. No, no, no. In fact, in the early church, They gathered in the temple right when the church was birthed in Solomon's colonnade out there. uh, Portico, they called it. And they would gather for worship. And then they would go to the homes, the houses. Those were house churches that they met in as it scattered throughout the uh, Mediterranean world. And they lived lives connected. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, he encouraged them, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. We really can't do that. Unless we know one another on that deeper level. And that's where these Ohana groups come in. I read about an internet site where people are being employed uh, to give hugs. Free, not free hugs, uh, platonic hugs. It costs you 60 to $80 uh, an hour for those hugs. And I don't go to these websites. I just read about them. I don't know where they're going with that. But there's another one called rent a Friend. And you can rent a friend, it's over the internet, for $23 an hour. Just you put your credit card in there. And um, there's 500000 to choose from. Real friendship, right? And I thought, you know what they ought to do is come to Kaimuki Christian Church. I see lots of free hugs given every time we gather, certainly in the Ohana groups. And if they want a real friend, join an Ohana group. That's not a virtual friend. That's somebody that will be there for you, that will pray for you, that will challenge you, that will stimulate you to love and good deeds. That's what we're called to be in relation to another soul. If you've not been in an Ohana group, I challenge you to change direction this year and step in one. Now it's a little scary. Um, you know, what's going to happen in there? I mean, well, that's where faith comes in. You'll be loved and accepted, and you'll grow. Third, this new direction, this new year, can you say, I I will follow the path of Jesus learning more of what it means to serve the Lord, to serve the Lord. You know, uh, Scripture is filled with how we've been called with that calling on our lives to serve. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve even Jesus himself. And then we're told in Scripture that we've been given gifts and we're to use those gifts. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Good stewards, in other words, we're managers. He's given us a gift. Don't bury it. Use it. And it says, of the manifold grace of God. In other words, the very It's We don't all have the same gift. We have different gifts. Under serve the Lord, let's say this one together. We joyfully serve the Lord to meet the needs in our church, community, and world through ministry teams. Now, each of us is called, as a follower of Jesus, to be a servant in our marriages in our family, right in the neighborhood that we're at, you know, where God placed us, in our workplace or where we go to school, we should be known as a servant, somebody that is humbly serving others. But also, in this church, we have dozens of ministry teams. And there's something about serving in community where we learn to honor one another, give preference to one another, we learn to uh, work together, valuing the differing gifts that people have as Christ has put us together in that ministry team. On uh, Christmas Eve, and by the way, I think those Christmas Eve services are my favorite services of the year. We had those four this Christmas Eve, and I just was so blessed by them. Lisette put those elements all together, and as, as people would share, even from the parking lot with the greeters and folks up in the sound and audio booth to the on the lanai, people sharing their various gifts in the worship center here, it was just a blessing. And God's glory was on display as people were using their gifts. I think especially I was touched by the singing that night and the music and just how that was honoring to the Lord. And the special numbers, that trio that sang at the last two services and the soloist at the earlier ones, uh, Katie. And then uh, Charlie accompanying the hula with Oh Holy Night. I loved that. And then we got to the candle lighting service and the element at the end. And I, I lit my candle and Dee's, and we came up here. And Charlie was to lead us in Silent Night. So we began singing and I heard my voice. And I realized, my mic's on. And uh, I looked over Charlie. For just a fleeting moment, I was tempted to just leave it on and just belt it out, you know? (laughs) See how Charlie'd respond to that, you know? But then I almost started laughing. And I thought, well, that would be inappropriate at this time. But let me tell you why I almost started laughing in that moment. Because I reflected briefly on a show that Dee and I had seen on television the night before. It was the I Love Lucy Christmas Special. And it's colorized now. And so we watched that and enjoyed that. I've had to tell people in our services, now look, if you're younger than 50, you probably don't even know who Lucy is. But she was a comedian and she was on television and she was one of the great comics and and whatever. And she was married to Ricky and they had Fred and Ethel there. And it was a sitcom back in the day. Well, I want you to see a clip of it in just a moment, and um, it's not colorized, this is black and white, that's how they used to show television, and uh, for those of you that are younger, okay, but uh, but you'll realize how my mind went there, and I thought, I better turn my mic off, take a look at this clip. <laughs> so So that's why I decided to turn my mic off, because I remembered Lucy, and I thought, Charlie may have a brush with some you know, shaving cream over here. No, I realized that's not my gift. Uh, that's not my part of the service. Uh, so we need, to, we need to use our gifts and find the area that God has gifted us in. And how do we find it out? Stepping into ministry. And uh, just seeing uh, what the Lord does in that area and seeking counsel and guidance from others in our church and confirmation by the Holy Spirit and seeing fruit when we begin to exercise. I could just go around the room this morning and just start mentioning some of you and the gifts that are on display in your lives. I mean, it's beautiful when we're using those, not coveting someone else's, but using the gifts that God's given us to serve the Lord. Well, and then one more. And that is in 2016. Can you say with me, yeah, I'll follow the path of Jesus, learning more of what it means to reach the lost. Here's how we've reflected it. Let's read that together. We reach the lost by sharing the good news of Jesus with our island neighbors and the world. Can we really say that we're reaching, or excuse me, that we're following Jesus if we're not reaching the lost? if we're not praying for lost people, if we're not reaching out to them, because Jesus said that's why he had come. Son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And every one of us who knows Christ, if we think about it, we're really grateful for somebody who was out there reaching the lost, praying for us when we were far from Jesus, uh, maybe sharing a testimony with us, what God has done in their lives, maybe inviting us to a church service or some Christian activity, just to their home, befriending us. Wow, Uh, that's what we're grateful for, and that's the kind of people we want to be because we care about lost people. And we're excited about what Jesus has done in our lives. In that Christmas Eve service, in the message, Uh, One of the references I made, kind of in passing, just talking about how life can be so difficult, was how I had just a few days earlier been by the bedside of a 47-year-old man standing there with his wife and his children, 14, 11, and 9-year-old children, as they were saying their goodbyes to husband and father on life support. That was Christmas Eve. But let me tell you the background to that story and where it's at now. On December 13th, I had received a text from Pastor Romy Garospi. He's been a good friend for 35 years. He's the pastor of the First Phil Am Church. They meet over in Salt Lake. And um, he texted me and said, uh, Johnny Ibarra, Brother Johnny Ibarra, had a heart attack this morning. He's in the hospital. Well, I've known Johnny for a no- number of years as well, and um, he, well, he's an associate pastor in the First Philam Church, but he also works full-time at the Academy of Arts as a security guard just to make ends meet. And uh, so I went up to the hospital that afternoon, saw Romy and the family, and Johnny, yeah, he's, he's in a coma there. Talked with the kids. Boy, a really tough time for those children. Fourteen, eleven, and nine, and um, then thought, well, we prayed and thought, okay, he's probably going to be okay because we all thought that it was a an induced coma so that he could heal, and so it was on. That was on the thirteenth, on the seventeenth, on Thursday, I received another text message from Romy. He said, they're going to disconnect Brother Johnny from life support tonight, and then he'll be gone. so I went up to the hospital on that Thursday evening, and there was many from the church again gathered, and the family was there. And uh, we prayed and sought to encourage the family. And they told me that night that, well, Rena, the wife, said that they're not going to disconnect life support that night because um, the sister from Manila had wanted to fly in and see her brother. Doctors said, he's gone, but you can keep him on life support. Oh. So that was the 17th. So she was to arrive on the 20th, Sunday. So on the 21st, I called Romy and said, so Romy, did they disconnect Johnny from life support last night and how's the family doing? He said, no, they didn't. He said, because now the parents want to come in and they want to fly in from Manila. I said, when's that going to be? He said, I don't know, hopefully sometime this week. It's like, wow, okay. And so... That week rolled by. Christmas Eve was during that week in which I shared that story. And then on Sunday, last Sunday, the 27th, I've been talking to a few ladies in our church who have been working to um, help find a job for the widow. And because she's a nurse, but she can't find full-time work. And so Maria and Evelyn Higa and Kim Lovell, they've all been looking for uh, job for this lady and and so I saw M- Evelyn on the night last weekend said Evelyn so have you heard anything about a possible work for Rena and she said yes I think so but she said I've been on Facebook and Romy says that Johnny's reviving I'm like what and so I Jay was preaching that morning I went right to my office and called Romy and he said brother Ron it's a Christmas miracle he said his. He's uh, off-breathing apparatus, breathing on his own, and his right arm and right leg are moving. Wow. Went up there that night and uh, went into the hospital room and just uh, sharing with the family, rejoicing with the family. We were just thanking God. By the way, he's not out of the woods yet. He still hasn't regained sight. Uh, He responds, you know, to them. Uh, I was up there again on Friday And um, he needs movement in his left side. So please keep praying for Johnny and Rena and that family. But that night in the hospital room, it was joy. It was just gratitude because, wow, God is moving here. I walked out into the hallway, and there's a guy sitting there. He's a nurse sitting at the desk there. And I said, there's a miracle happening in this room here. And he just smiled and nodded his head. I then drove, I had to stop at the pharmacy over here in Key And I'm talking to the pharmacist and I tell him the whole story. And he's like, wow, boy, good thing they waited. It must be some kind of coincidence there. I said, well, hey, how about Providence? This may be a miracle of God, you know, and talking to him about that. And so then earlier in the week, one of our neighbors had asked me how I'm doing and I said, well, I usually don't do this, but I said, well, I'm just going to the hospital and that's when Johnny was they were going to disconnect him. and So then days later, uh, just a few days ago, she said, I didn't mean to be so happy in the parking lot when I greeted you the other day because I didn't know. And I said, oh, no, let me tell you the rest of the story. And I told her what was happening with Johnny and his family. And, wow, she's, I don't know where she's at with the Lord, but she was, said, I'll pray for him too, you know. And then I thought, wow, I'm just telling everybody this story must be excited about this, you know. I am, actually. I've been so heartbroken for that family and just praying for that family. Then I thought, I need to be as excited about the good news of Jesus as I am about this. And we ought to be, shouldn't we be? So that, wow, every chance we get, we're just sharing the story about what Jesus is doing in our lives or in the life of someone else, by the way. I do love to tell the story about what God's doing in your lives. When I hear stories and testimonies, I take opportunity to share that with unbelievers. But I want to be more excited about reaching lost people, caring about them, praying for them because they need Jesus. This year, maybe that's a direction that some of us need to go in, a new direction, more committed to that. In Mark chapter 5, there's a powerful testimony. It's about a man who was demon-possessed, banned from the community. He lived among the tombs. He'd scream and cry at night. They could hear him from the village. He Sometimes they'd chain him, but he'd just break the chains with the power of those demons. He'd gash himself with rocks, and then he met Jesus. And Jesus delivered him from all those demons. That's unbelievable. I mean, Can you imagine just what happened to everybody around there? In fact, they wanted Jesus to leave. It scared them. But not this guy. In fact, in Mark chapter 5, I want to show you his response. Uh, Verse 18 says, As he, Jesus, was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him. What? What? thought jesus wanted people to follow him but he tells this guy no you're not going to get in the boat with us next verse and he did not let him but he said to him go home to your people and report to them what great things the lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you and he went away and began to proclaim in decapolis what great things jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed Decapolis was on the east side of the Jordan River, 10 cities, and uh, Jesus is saying, you're not getting in the boat with us and leaving. You go back home and you tell these people. And you know what? He did. Because in a later gospel account, when Jesus and his disciples returned, that whole area turned out to see Jesus because they'd heard of the miracle of what God had done for this guy because he'd been telling them the good news. And so there are times when Jesus is saying, don't just get in the boat with me and my followers. I want you to step out of the boat and go back to the people that need to know about God's glory and greatness. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we just want to hang around Christians. It's great to come to church, be in a Bible study, be in a Christian ministry, uh, all these Christian activities. But wait a minute. We need to make time to build relationships with unbelievers, to connect with them in kids' sporting activities or or activities in our neighborhood, or, or one thing or another, just get to know them, love them, serve them, become friends with unbelievers. And that becomes a bridge that we can cross to share this good news with them. And so this year, maybe some of us Need to consider that new direction in our lives that, yeah, if I'm going to really follow Jesus, I've got to be concerned about reaching the lost that He has put around me because I care for them like He does. I heard about a little boy that asked his dad, he said, So, Dad, there were three frogs on a limb above a pond, and one of those frogs decided to jump. So how many are left on the limb? And the dad said, two. He said, no, no, no. I said, there were three frogs on that limb, and one decided to jump. So how many are left on the limb? And the dad said, okay, I get it. Uh, The first one jumped, the other two followed, so none. Son said, no. He said, there were three frogs on the limb, and I said, one decided to jump. He didn't actually jump. He just decided to jump. The dad said, oh, okay, I guess there were three left. Sometimes in church, we decide we're going to do something, but we don't jump. We don't actually follow through on it. Have you ever been there? I have. And I'm asking you this year to make a decision, follow through on it. And sometimes around New Year's, we set resolutions and they're gone by March, you know, or at least. Uh, how many health club memberships are purchased or exercycles or whatever that become clothes hangers? But we can be more serious if we do it as under the Lord. Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan pastor back in New England in the 18th century. He, he was used by God to start the Great Awakening in America in those days. When he was 17 years old, he set forth 21 resolutions he wanted to live his life by. By the time he was near death, he had 70 of them. And, uh, but, but he said this, he wrote this in one of his journals. Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions. Remember to read over these resolutions once a week. So he realized that he couldn't do it without God's help, and he needed to continue review them and seek the Lord's help. That's a good perspective. That's what I want to challenge each of us to do this year. And a good place to begin would be with the path of Jesus. Ke'ala Yesu. Is there one area there in which the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart about this morning? Yes. Okay, Lord, I want to follow you in this area of my life. Well, today, this afternoon, get alone for a little time and just pray about it and then write out your sentence. What is your resolve in this area with God's help that you'll do? As far as remembering it, Well, every time you walk into the worship center this year, uh, you'll be able to see that and be convicted. No, (laughs) not be condemned, not be made to feel guilty, be encouraged. You know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? No, we make a resolution and we'll fall short, but the Lord doesn't give up on us. He just extends more grace and we say, okay, Lord, I'm recommitting. And I want to follow you in your direction uh, this year in that area. And so we encourage one another. Maybe ask someone to pray with you on it. And can you imagine if by the end of this year, we've seen that take place in our lives personally and as a church family? We'll be in a different place. And we'll look back at the end of 2016 and say, wow, look what the Lord has done. That's my prayer for each of us. Let's bow together. Lord, we're grateful for the grace that you extend to us, but we're also thankful for the call that you have on our lives to follow you. Help us not to be so comfortable that we become complacent, but desiring evermore because of your forgiveness, because of your uh, salvation, to live in love for you. And so I pray for each of us that we would, in one of these areas, Lord, just depend upon you to bring transformation in our lives and through our lives in this coming year. I pray this in your name. Amen.